Hello and welcome back to Premier Talk Podcast. I'm one of your two hosts, Andrew Mello. Alongside with me, as always, is Daniel Barbudo. This is episode four of season two. Uh, it's called Europa League Madness. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot happened in Europe uh, over the, the past week. Daniel, let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. We're going to start you guys off with the starting lineup. We only got two things to discuss today, really. Our first one is the Match Day 25 recap. And then we got the Europa League recap, Daniel. We got the Europa League <laughs> recap and look ahead. Man, it was a devastating week for me, but, uh, you know, we're going to unpack it in this episode. We're going to talk about it. Well, let's get started with Match Day 25 recap. We got one game on Friday, February 19th. We got Wolves versus Leeds. This one ended one nothing for Wolves. It was uh, awful luck right here. An own goal from the Leeds keeper, Alan Meslier, in the 64th minute after a wonderful strike from Adama Traore. And that was the only, that was the only goal in this game. It was a needed win from the Wolves side. Uh, against a Leeds team, which we know is a difficult opponent. And uh, well done on Wolves getting the three points. Yeah, it was a crazy strike from Adama, uh, 30 yards out more or less. He he beat several defenders. And then uh, he got the shot off. It was a crazy strike, smashed it right off the, the crossbar. And Massilia went down and uh, he just happened to bounce off his back. It was, it was super unlucky, but, uh, you know, a good three points for for an even, even balanced uh, two teams here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to move on to Saturday. Saturday, there was four games on Saturday, February 20th. The first one, Southampton versus Chelsea. Um, it was a pretty good game. You know, uh, Minamino scored in the 33rd minute, and then Mason Mount scored from the penalty spot in the 54th. And one thing that was, like, going on all over the internet was hudson Adoy. He came on in halftime, and then 31 minutes later, he was yanked. Um, Andrew, I know this is your team. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I watched the interview after with Tuchel, and it was so interesting to hear what he had to say. Um, you know, he came out and said that his team, uh, deserved the win and which I agree and not saying mm-hmm. that just cause I like Chelsea and have a preference for the club. Um, he came out and said that they, that they controlled the game, they controlled possession. They had more opportunities, which was all true. It just so happened to be, they slipped up for one moment. And we, what he said was, this is football. This, these type of things happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was a lovely, uh, solo goal for Minimo, the, the new signing, the new loan signing, um, he settled in quite well for Southampton mm-hmm. so far. Uh, last time out, not so well. But uh, this game, he, he was he was quite good. And uh, in that particular moment, he got the best of the Chelsea defense. And then Tuchel came out to... People were criticizing Tuchel because they said he was too hard on Odoi, uh, mm-hmm. saying that uh, he didn't have the legs for this game. He didn't have the, the it factor for this game almost. I'm just paraphrasing here. But uh, yeah, people were, were questioning that uh, whether or not he may have uh, hurt the the young player's confidence, but uh, you could tell that he wants things a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very tactical. Is he's very tactical in the terms of uh, the way he approaches games. Um, and yeah, he's he's going to be hard on his players, but you could tell he really wants to win, and it, he's bringing forth this this winning mentality. He's trying to change uh, uh, the the culture there for sure. Mm-hmm. Being honest, I don't mind this from a manager. If you see, if you bring on a player and you don't like the way he's playing. I'm okay with taking him off. I know, like you said, it, it's a young young player. You know, might hurt the confidence a little bit. But as a manager, you got to go up to that player. You got to talk to him after. You got to explain to him why he was taken off. And I think Tuchel, even after that interview, he does a good job of explaining why. And uh, I don't mind it to be completely honest with you. I think it's great, and he has a great winning mentality, and that should be good for the Chelsea side. Yeah, and Barbudo, like 
before when Frank Lampard was there, Odoi never got the opportunity to even get consistent minutes. They were questioning mm-hmm. whether or not he was going to leave to Bayern Munich. A lot of people were saying like, you know, he needs more minutes and maybe he needs to, you know, change his scenery. And mm-hmm. uh, Tuchel's the guy that's been giving him that that opportunity. He's been playing almost game in, game out at that, at that wingback position. So he's given him responsibility of having to track back, but he's also giving him the freedom to go forward and uh, create opportunities because he's a super skillful player. And uh, I think Tuchel is the right manager for him. He sees the potential in him. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we're going on to the next one here. It was uh, no goals in this one from Burnley and West Brom game ended nil nil. Super boring um, game. West Brom held on. The only the only really really point to this game was that West Brom held on after Ajayi got a straight red in the 30th minute. Mm-hmm. It was a bad challenge. It deserved a straight red. They got it. And cheers to West Brom for holding on zero zero. At least get the one point when you're down to ten men. Yeah, a uh, good result for West Brom in terms of them having uh, you know their red card situation early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burnley would have liked to get the three points against a lower tier side in West Brom. So um, it's it's a point for West Brom. It's not three points. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we, we, we always mention uh, West Brom in terms of that relegation battle. It just, I don't think, like we mentioned this time and time again, Dan, I know we're just repeating ourselves here, but we don't, like, I don't agree that they have the quality for this league. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, it's just, just unlucky with the red card, whatever, but uh, good, I guess a good point in this scenario for them. Yeah, I agree. I think the point was good enough. Um, nothing really else much to say in that game. We went on to probably the, the biggest game of the weekend, I think, which was the Merseyside Derby, Liverpool versus Everton. This one ended, which I think was surprising for most, but at the same time could be a little bit not surprising. Everton took this one 2-0. Um, Richarlison scored in, in the third minute, which was was good to see. And then the only other goal in this game was a penalty. Gilfie Sigurdsson, uh, he converted his penalty in the 83rd. You got a big gap. You got the third minute in the 83rd minute. And... Uh, this loss for Liverpool was Liverpool's third consecutive loss, and which hurt them. What hurt them even more was Henderson in the 30th minute. He had to be taken off because he got a groin injury. Since he's had surgery, and they said he'll be out around six to eight weeks, which is not a, a good look for for Liverpool, especially in losing three games in a row. It's just not looking good right now, especially with all these injuries. Yeah, another stat for that game, Daniel. Too, this is the first time uh, in, since 1999 that Everton has been able to win a game away at Anfield and the scenes uh, in the locker room after the game was incredible mm-hmm. to see they were they were stacked the, the Everton players and they really deserved this because they, they were the dominant team from the start and you could see time and time again this Liverpool the biggest problem with this Liverpool club is their their back line you know the fullbacks are there they have they have two really super talented fullbacks but that pairing in the middle has struggled so much they've been struggling to find a solution to the to the injury bug another player goes down like you mentioned in Henderson uh, but that first goal to to allow a goal like that to just shows you that the inexperience is there from the from the and the chemistry is lacking there from the two center backs. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was uh, Richarlison was offside at one point. He comes back and meets with the the last defender, but the last defender doesn't even check him coming back on. It doesn't doesn't go to guard him, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just so clever. Uh, and he's just it's a classic goal poacher type of goal, and he just waits for the right moment. He has his space in between the two center backs. Uh, and then he just waits for that little sl- like sl- uh, sliding pass through in between the center halves. And he buried it quite nicely. And Allison has no chance. Uh, it's a, he's pretty much in alone on goal. And it just shows you uh, Liverpool's struggles. Not, not in terms of it was offensively this game, but in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, it's that center back partnership. And um, it's a super tough year for Liverpool fans because they're missing, obviously, 
uh, one of the world's best in Van Dyke, and then an up and coming uh, British star with Joe Gomez. And that that pairing, you can't you can't compare it to what they have you now. Mm-hmm. Um, Kabak has not looked impressive at all since he's joined. I don't blame him considering the situation, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, it's just it's it goes back to that center back partnership, and it, it does it doesn't look good for them. Just another stat for you guys. This is the first time Liverpool has lost three consecutive home games since 1963, which has been 60 years since they've lost three consecutive home games in the league. Um, Not looking good for Liverpool. I want to ask you, do you think... I know they've had their injuries in the back line, but over the past couple of years, they've been outscoring teams too. And it seems that this year, they just their front line hasn't put enough goals in the back of the net. I don't know if it's just because they... they they're they're winning they're, they're winning or losing by like a goal a goal margin or two goal margin but i don't think i don't know if it's do you think it's the attack of the defense i guess that's what i'm trying to get at daniel i think it's two things i think it's a lack of confidence and i think it's a lack of momentum when teams are playing really well and that's in terms of like your your whole team being organized like it starts at the back down we all know this like defense is key to winning games and mm-hmm. i think when you have a strong foundation you're able to build upon that foundation and that goes with many sports but soccer in particular you really need a good back line uh, and that translates to, you know, possession. It translates to the ability to move balls forward to the, to the flanks and then up to your strikers. Um, and, and I think it's also a lot, like, like I mentioned, lack of momentum when a team is, you know, firing in all cylinders, like similar to what Manchester city is, it's so hard to stop them. And mm-hmm. I think with Liverpool last year, even though there's that break and that pause with COVID, uh, when the leagues were stopped, um, Liverpool had so much momentum. They were just, they were playing so well, like nothing was going bad for them. And I think this year they've, they've hit a bump and then they haven't been really able to recover from that bump. The bump obviously being the injuries, but when you're, when you're playing well, when your team's, you know, organized and, and, and playing all together, then, then you're not going to see too many problems. But right now this team seems a little disoriented um, and, and lacking confidence in, in many cases. We're going to move on to the last game on Saturday, February 20th here. We got Fulham versus Sheffield. Got 18th versus 20th. I don't think a lot of people were expecting much in this game. Yeah. Uh, Adam, Adam Ola, sorry, said Adam Ola. Adam Ola Lookman scored the only goal in this one in the 61st minute. That was the only goal. Again, nobody really expected much. It's, it's basically the only stat line you can pull from this game. Yeah, the, the he, he belongs to Everton still. He's on loan to Fulham. He's been loaned up to multiple clubs. He was at Leipzig. Had a stint there as well. Didn't do uh, particularly well, uh, but... Daniel, every time we mention Fulham, I, I seem to be mentioning Lookman. Uh, he's definitely got some potential to him. He's one mm-hmm. of the more exciting players on Fulham. And uh, if if I was if I was someone working at that club, I'd try to sign him on a permanent deal because I think at Everton he doesn't have that opportunity with all the you know they got they got a lo- they got loads of talent there now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could have some success if he continues to stay with this club and to you know continues to uh, keep developing because he's gonna keep he's gonna get key minutes with this Fulham side for sure. Mm-hmm. Hopefully for for him that they don't get relegated. Because then he'll be playing in English too, which I mean your value does decrease a little bit. But again, you'll be playing lots of quality minutes for for this Fulham side. We're gonna move on to Sunday, February twenty first. There was another four games in this on on Saturday on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game, West Ham versus Tottenham. West Ham won this one two one. Andrew, you want to talk about this one? Yeah, this was a London derby here. Um, anytime it's a derby of any sort, you know the stakes are high, and the stakes were really high for for Tottenham and Spurs fans. And uh, on this day, Antonio comes out, scores early on in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was the fifth minute, Daniel. 
Uh, and then later on, Jesse Lingard in the 47th scores to put them up 2-0. So right there, that's just them taking control of the game, taking hold of the game. Um, West Ham been super impressive this year. Uh, you know, hats off to, to the coaching staff there with David Moyes, former Manchester United man, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tottenham nearly, you know, they had the chance, the Lucas Moore chance and goal. It was actually a well-worked uh, corner set piece, whatever you want to call it. And uh, the tiniest man on the pitch manages to get the header off. And it was a lovely yep. header. Um, but again, Daniel, we always talk about this Tottenham team. And uh, we're going to talk about them later on in Europa League. Uh, it's like two different teams playing. I know they played uh, an inf- uh, significantly uh, inferior opponent in Europa League, but mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're a completely... There's no translation. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. No trans- that's, that's exactly it, Daniel. There's no translation. Uh, in the Europa League, they're one team. In the Premier League, they're, they're another. Um, people were hyping up the squad because they're in first place. Now, they're, I think they're in eighth, we, we mentioned. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're still around that, that eighth spot there. Um, but it's just terrible, 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 terrible if you're a Spurs fan. Um, you thought things were going to go up from from uh, from where they've been in the past. Um, you thought they could contend this mm-hmm. year, especially with Manchester City being out of the out of the count for so long. But uh, look at them again. West Ham playing good. Tottenham not so much. I, I want to hear what you think about this situation here with the Spurs. Um, I don't think it's great. I know last week we discussed uh, at the end from um, from our fan questions. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked, "When do you think Mourinho's uh, going to get sacked?" I think it's going to be soon. To be completely honest with you, I know West Ham is a great opponent. They've been playing well lately. And Tottenham, you know, it might be lack of confidence. And uh, that with, I, I just don't, I I see a lack of confidence. But then I go and I watch them in Europa League and it's a completely different team. I don't know what's happening right now, but they need a change somewhere. If that's big transfer, which transfer windows done, so that can't happen. So the next thing you look at is coaching staff. I think they need a change. I think that it started off uh, Mourinho that the way that he plays is, is defensive with a counterattacking uh, like style. I think when Kane got injured, that fell off big time because their main attacker is was injured. And I don't even think he's at 100% yet, to be completely honest with you. He hasn't been great as of, since since coming back from injury, which I think is, is a big blow for Tottenham. But I think it's coaching staff. I think they got to get rid of Mourinho. I said it last weekend. I give him another two games, to be honest with you. Daniel, I'm going to have to disagree with you here because he, Mourinho comes into this situation. He brings in certain players, but he didn't want to bring in all, he didn't get to bring in all the players he wanted. And we still look, I'm going to mention that back line, Daniel. That's where they're most vulnerable because their mm-hmm. attack is, is phenomenal because they have obviously one of the Premier League's best in Harry Kane uh, and another Premier League, uh, you know, uh, super, he's super talented in Hungman's son. Like you, you can't, you can't beat that attack, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only a number of teams that can, uh, you know, match their attack, but their center back partnership is absolutely terrible. Um, Alderweireld, he's good, uh, and then you you pair him with uh, when Alderweireld's out or he's he's not healthy, and you know there's the Premier League's a lengthy season. You need depth. They have Davison Sanchez. He was amazing when he first came in from Ajax, but he's been mm-hmm. super vulnerable. And just like him, Eric Dyer's the same situation. He's a CDM brought to play center back and he's been poor mm-hmm. uh, numerous fouls that he's committed don't need to be made uh and the, the their defense their back line like liverpool is so fragile that's mm-hmm. the best way to describe it uh because fullbacks too they're whatever they're inconsistent at times uh regulon i thought he'd be much better because he had a super season at sevilla last year when they won the europa league um it's just daniel consistency is so key in this league mm-hmm. and they were so consistent 
uh, in that one period of time when they when they're when they look like they couldn't be beat and they're in first place. But since then, they lost and they haven't been able to find that form again. And uh, it's very troubling, very troubling if you're a Spurs fan. Just one more thing I want to put out there. I think that if this was like we looked at Chelsea earlier in the year when they got rid of Lampard and they brought in Tuchel, I don't think a lot of people expected that Lampard firing or sacking because he was great last year with youngsters and like literally just everything that was given to him. And then when he had and he got a couple signings, he has been great. And you said it too that Chelsea, they're the way that their management, like they don't really care if you're not playing well, you're gone. I think if this was the case, if if Mourinho was, if they, they had Chelsea's management with Mourinho, Mourinho would have been gone already. I don't even think it's it's anywhere close. Considering they were in first place with looking fantastic, and now they've dropped all the way back into middle of the table, and they don't right now they, they don't have any hope to to climb up the table. I I can't see it happening. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you there, Daniel. Daniel, do you want to segue to the next uh, match here? Next match on Sunday, February twenty first, we got Aston Villa versus Leicester City. Um, this was a good one, actually. James Madison scored in, in the 19th minute, and Javi Bonds! Javi Bonds! Javi Bonds! Scored four minutes later in the 23rd, and this put Leicester up 2-0. You know, now, nice, comfortable lead, but two-goal lead isn't always great. Bertrand Troyer came down in the second half for Villa, and he scored in the 48th minute, but those two goals in the first half were, were too much for Villa to handle, and Leicester ended up taking the three points here. Yeah, tough loss for Villa. They were They were in the match the whole way through. Um, Leicester just were superior and they obviously they got the better of Villa great three points for Leicester to continue to solidify their top four finish um, these are matches that are hard to win in the Premier League against teams like Villa um, so a hugely important three points because a lot of teams like to underestimate Villa and mm-hmm. um, you know as we know Villa had a great campaign last year so you, you can never underestimate them and Leicester did um, what they had to do on this day mm-hmm we're gonna move on to the next one here we got arsenal versus manchester city another good one here um raheem sterling scored the only one in this one in the second minute it was a quick goal right off the bat and uh i think this is an expected outcome for city i know um there was a stat that every single time pep guardiola has gone on a long streak with teams that he's been with no matter it's been barcelona or bayern munich and now Manchester city all both of his long winning streaks were uh came to an end in the hands of arsenal so there was lots of conspiracies and not conspiracies. There was lots of guessing and betting in this one that Arsenal was going to be, again, the team to knock Pep off of his winning streak, but wasn't the case. Yeah, uh, great win for Manchester City to, con- uh, to continue that unbeaten streak. Tough loss from an Arsenal fan perspective because they only lost one nothing. At least they didn't get smacked in this one. Uh, but I don't know. I think, though, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later in the Europa League segment. Uh, I have my opinions on Arsenal, but... Uh, yeah, Manchester City was the better team, and they, they deserved the three points in this one. Mm-hmm. Moving to the last game on Sunday, February 21st, we got my team, Manchester United versus Newcastle. This one ended Newcastle, uh, Manchester United 3, Newcastle 1. It was it was a really good game. It was back and forth in the first half. Um, Rashford sc- scored in the 30th minute, continuing his great form of the year. He's been absolutely amazing this year. And then St. Maximan scored a great volley, a nice little half volley to tie the game six minutes later. And then... In the second half, Daniel James scored a nice goal in the 57th, assisted by Bruno, and then Bruno got his own. Bruno Fernandez got his own from the penalty spot in the 75th. Andrew, I want to pull one thing out of this game. How important is Bruno Fernandez for this Manchester United side? I think he is absolutely like this is this for me could be could go down as one of the greatest signings considering uh, price, how well he's done for this team, and where he's bringing them. 
How do you feel about it? Daniel, I'm excited because he's Portuguese. And at the end of the day, if he could, you know, do what he's doing for Manchester United for the national side, I'll be ecstatic because he, he Daniel, he's a, he's a game changer. That's literally what he is. He decides games, um, the games that he struggles. Um, that's when Manchester United looks a little inferior to their opponent. But when he's on the money, he, he's a conductor. He's a magician in the midfield. Uh, he's able to create so many opportunities as well as score goals. And uh, he's Bruno Fernandes. He, he gets the penalties and he, and he makes them. So I was waiting for the pen merchant memes that are coming out of this one. I think he was great the all game. He played great. He deserved, I think I, I hit the crossbar from, from a long, a long shot. Um, he's a beast. He's fantastic in the midfield. I think he's, I think he's one of the best midfielders all year in the premier league. I know that sounds biased, but I know it's not biased because at the end of the day, how many, you know, premier league, uh, man, uh, month, uh, awards has he received? Right. So mm-hmm. the fans know the people that, you know, watch the premier league day and day out know he's talented. Obviously I'm just, you know, I'm just joking with you. I'm just a little bit of banter, but, uh, he's, he's a class player and, I don't know. I don't like to say that about too many players, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's just class, man. You guys are lucky to have him. I would love to have a player like that on my team for sure. We move on to Monday, February 22nd, the last game of match day 25. We got Brighton versus Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace took this one 2-1 and uh, they struck first with a goal in the 28th minute from Jean-Philippe Mateta. Um, it was a great back heel through the defender's legs right around the goalie. And it was his first goal in the Premier League. A nice youngster, rising talent. Hopefully he pans out and he's on loan, center- right? I think he's a low knee for them right now from Germany. I think he's from Mainz. He's from... I don't know what team in Germany he's from, but he's, he's yeah. a low knee. And yeah. um, then you got center back Joel Veltman scoring in the 55th to tie the game up. And then Christian Benteke looking like 2012 Christian Benteke with a volley <laughs> in injury time in the, in the 95th minute. It was lovely, you know, from Townsend uh, on the left wing, crossing a ball into Benteke, first time volley into the bottom left corner. Fantastic volley for me. Um, I think this was a great outcome for Crystal Palace. It was it, it was a little bit uh for Brighton, you you kinda you don't like this result because it's a tough Brighton, loss. It's a they were they were loss. winning. They they had they had a Crystal Palace on the ropes the entire game. Um I don't think they deserve to lose, but good on Crystal Palace for coming out on top in this game. Yeah, we usually talk garbage about uh, Crystal Palace. Uh there's they're they're such underachievers. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, huge, huge win for them. Uh, crazy end to the game. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you love to see it. It's just no matter what team you're from, you love to see like finishes like this. They're they're just exciting finishes. And uh, for mm-hmm. Benteke to do what he uh, you know what he did in this match was crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like it's vintage Benteke for me. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, we're gonna move on to Tuesday, February twenty third. This game was uh, a makeup game from match day eighteen. It was Leeds versus Southampton. Leeds took this one three 0 You got three goals. Uh, one from Bamford in the 47th, the next from uh, Dallas in the 78th, and then Rafinha scored in the 84th. Um, they dominated this game. I know Southampton obviously having two goals in in four days might be um, a little factor in this one, but it was great from Leeds to see. Yeah, it was hilarious. I was looking on uh, Instagram and I saw someone that was a Southampton fan page and they they put out a post and it said Oriol Romeo, the Spanish uh, midfielder that they have, he mm-hmm. made a he made a nice tackle, right? And he says, oh, crucial. Uh, match deciding tackle and then all the comments were it was hilarious to see because they're like yeah you guys still lost three nothing doesn't matter so I, th- I thought I uh, thought it was hilarious to see um and it's just uh you know Southampton 
it's it's hard on it's hard on teams uh, to play you know all these games uh, and the their consecutive matches in a short span of two to three days at times even so it's hard on both teams but Leeds absolutely dominated uh, Southampton and just they they looked the better team the whole way through. Mm-hmm. So that's it for the match day twenty five recap. We're gonna move on here to the Europa League recap and quick look ahead. We're just going to talk about Europa League this week because there is still the second leg to be played in Champions League. And we're just going to talk about Europa League because it's, it's this uh, round of 32 is done. We'll talk about Champions League next week for those of you wondering about that. The first game was Wednesday, February 24th. We got Tottenham versus Wolfsburger. Tottenham, again, like we said, looking like a completely different team. They won 4-0 in this one. And on aggregate, they won 8-1 after the two legs. Um, Vinicius had a brace. Deli Alli scored a fantastic bicycle kick. I don't know what's with the bicycle kicks this week. We got Giroud scoring a bicycle kick and now Deli Alli scoring a bicycle kick. And then Bale scored a goal, which is nice to see as well. Um, I think Bale's a fantastic player. I want him to do well at Tottenham. And I, I hope he does, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, it's been it's been tough for since his return to uh, London. Um, I, I, I've always loved Bale. I thought he was one of the world's best when he was at when he first joined Real Madrid. And uh, I always every time I think of Gareth Bale, I think of that amazing Copa del Rey final goal against Barcelona, where mm-hmm. he put it through Mark Bartra's legs and ran around the byline. Uh, just an incredible goal. And it makes you, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see Bale getting back on the score sheet because you remember all these moments when he was at his best. And obviously he's, you know, in the latter stages of his career as a winger um, pace is a crucial part of his game was a crucial part. Does he have the same pace he did? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, so it's, it's just nice to see him back on the score sheet. I've, I've always liked Bale. Um, and going back to Tottenham, it's nice in the grand scheme of things, but I don't think it was the right move for him. Um, could have gone elsewhere, mm-hmm. but that's a that's a story for a different day, a conversation for a different day. But important, important win, and they had to win this fashion to mm-hmm. bounce back from you know the results because the results have been absolutely terrible, been poor lately. Yep. Um, we're gonna move on to Thursday, February twenty fifth. There's three games in this one. Andrew, I'm gonna hand it off to you because this is uh, the first game is Arsenal Benfica. So I know you can, yeah, Daniel, uh, like this is the one time I get to really like have a spiel uh, about Befica and oh, it's so frustrating from a, like a Befica standpoint. Cause I'm, as you guys know, I'm like a lifelong diehard Befica fan. And I, I obviously have bias towards my team and I'm going to, you know, I want to talk about my team a little bit here, uh, but Arsenal, they, they got the better of Befica in this one, three, two. I'll just give you guys a quick rundown of the game. Arsenal drew first blood. Uh, they they managed to Saka was Saka is just incredible. He's just a he's phenomenal. Uh, Arsenal's lucky to have him, um, mm-hmm. and he sent a nice through ball in between our in between Otamendi and Vertonghen, and uh, who was on the other end Aubameyang. It's hard for Befica to you know defend guys like Aubameyang. Like he's just he's super talented, right? Even though mm-hmm. he's hasn't been playing up to par, uh, he buried that one nice little chip. Keeper could do nothing. Helton late could do nothing, uh, and then Befica. Just just before the half ends, Diogo Gonçalves, uh, super free kick, one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, just absolutely top ins. He just smashed that one top ins. No chance for uh, Bern Leno. Crazy free kick. Uh, but again, one of the best I've ever seen. So Befica got the one one draw that they needed, and this would have meant that they would have gone to extra time because they were tied two two on aggregate. And then second half, Befica comes out uh, and over the top ball, Ceballos, terrible terrible challenge from Ceballos. He headers it backwards to Rafa. Uh, Rafa Silva, which was uh, Befica's winger, he he was clearly offside. But since you know Ceballos flicked it on, it's he was onside. He went he rounded the keeper, uh, and then he's slotted into an empty net. And now was the result. Befica needed two one 
They could still allow a goal and pass. They could tie 2-2 and pass due to the away goal rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Arsenal, they come firing back. And lovely, you know, it pains me to say this, but it was a crazy strike from Kieran Tierney. It was a nice driven. Daniel, uh, from a Befica perspective, terrible closing out. I'll mention this after, but terrible closing out from Everton, uh, from Gremio. We bought it from Gremio. Uh, it's supposed to be really good for us. Hasn't per- performed up to, you know, par. And mm-hmm. then heartbreak. I think it was the 86th minute there or 87th minute, 87th minute. Uh, Abba, none other than Abba to, you know, get on the get on the end of a cross and he headers it into, you know, Helton Leith could do nothing, literally no chance. And Daniel, I'm going to talk about Bifika for a minute here. This is my therapy, okay? Uh, Bifika looked very good. This is one of the best games I've seen from Bifika in terms mm-hmm. of recuperating balls in the midfield. They did very well. They played a five-back. They don't usually play the five-back with the three centre-backs. You just bought Lucas Vidisimu, and uh, he was the culprit of keeping Aubameyang on for the first goal, which really pains me. Uh, he hasn't adjusted so well in his first two games. I don't blame him because he's not ready. Uh, he needs to learn the system. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then the second goal that Arsenal scored, Tierney, uh, terrible closing out from the. He just came on. Everton just came off the bench, uh, and he was able to uh, not make an impact. That's what he did, to say the mm-hmm. least. He did nothing for us defensively, nothing. And uh, he he gave too much space to Kieran Tierney. You can't do that to a Premier League player and. That's what happens when you leave them open, give them space, and he just absolutely rifled it into the net. No chance. And then Vidisimo on the third goal, tougher, tough, tough aerial challenge for him. Just gets over his head, but I think he's, he has to do better. And Bifika really let this one slip away. Uh, Arsenal, I'm not trying to, I'm not saying this because I'm mad Bifika lost, but Arsenal, they should have been more convincing. If you look at Arsenal's bench, these guys are able to spend hundreds of millions of pounds every year. Bifika does not. They can't contend with a team like that, and they almost did. But uh, you look at their bench, Lacazette. Spend like 40 or 50 mil on him. Uh, Nicholas Pepe, 74 million pounds. That's an outrageous sum of money. Like their bench is worth more than our starting lineup. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of Befica. Like heads, we have to keep our heads up, even though it was a tough loss. Like there's a lot of internal problems with the club right now. A lot of politics with the club right now, just because of, you know, we spent money, brought a new coach. Our president was reelected. There's just a lot of things going around. Confidence is not there from Befica. We're doing absolutely terrible in the league. I, we really needed this. The fans really, really needed this because, you know, of how much we've been struggling. We needed a win because we, we haven't been doing well at all. Um, and just, Daniel, like, it's just so frustrating. Like, I'm being so honest here. Like, it's so frustrating to see this from a club. Like, I've watched my entire life uh, and I've never seen them at this low point. And it's just so frustrating and so hard to watch uh, every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, I just have to get that out there, man. Needed rant. It was needed. It was needed. Yeah, it was needed. Um, I'm going to look at this more of an Arsenal perspective. I think that when Benfica scored their second goal, they had, I think that they had the Arsenal at a low point. Their confident, Arsenal's confidence was really low and they needed something to boost that confidence back up. Tierney with the strike was something I think exactly what they needed because as soon as Tierney scored that goal, this whole Arsenal side changed. They realized that they were back in the match and they had the chance to win it. So I think that that Tierney goal was was definitely the most- It was huge. It was huge. It was the changing point of this game. It was a lovely strike. Uh, got to include that. And then Aubameyang scoring in the 87th. After that goal, after the TNA goal, Arsenal, I you had the feeling. It, you could just feel that Arsenal was going to score again because of the confidence they had going forward, the men that they were rushing. Benfica couldn't really handle that but amount of pressure. Daniel, Benfica blew some huge chances. Like there was a, <laughs> there was a moment when our midfielder, pardon me, uh, Gabriel, Brazilian uh, international, or well, he hasn't had any caps really for Brazil, but Brazilian international, whatever. Uh, he, he 
super lazy player. I, I dislike him so much now since he's came into the club, but uh, he's super lazy and nonchalant on the ball. And the one time he's not lazy, he pounces upon like a, a poor pass and he's darting down the wing and he has the ability to send in, uh, I believe it was, it was Hafa. Hafa was open. Uh, he was in alone on goal and uh, just a garbage, garbage pass. Mm-hmm. So like chances like that is what killed Befica. Arsenal is very lucky. Befica doesn't have that attacking quality that they've had years prior with, with some of their great strikers that they had through the ranks this year. They're really missing it. Uh, Seferovic is garbage. Another one. Uh, so just, I'm just like, it's just missed chances that caused the Befica and also uh, slipping up in certain moments like the tyranny goal, like we mentioned already. Mm-hmm. I think even one guy we need to shout out, I think we'll both agree, Saka. I know Aubameyang obviously scoring both goals. He he finished, that's his job as a, as a striker to finish those goals. But Saka, I think he played fantastic in this. I think he was great. Um, I think if you're your Arsenal fans, you're excited for his talent. He's young, he has great potential. And I think if you're your Arsenal, you're really excited for what he's going to show going forward. Yeah, Daniel, I want to switch from this topic. Uh, I've, I've already exa- ex- like exhausted everything uh, from this topic, but Leicester, what a surprise. I said that they had the potential to go really far in this campaign in mm-hmm. the Europa League, and they crashed out against uh, Slavia Prague. Uh, they lost 2-0 goals from Provod and Sima. Uh, I didn't get to watch the game, but uh, the result was absolutely terrible. You would have, you would have expected Leicester to be, you know, Going further in this in this uh, in this tournament, they have quality on their teams and huge huge underdog win from uh, Slavia Prague and the fans must be a stag to beat you know a team like Leicester. Mm-hmm. I think of Leicester, this is really upsetting from a stamp from a Leicester fan standpoint. It's mm-hmm. upsetting. Um, I think you're expecting your team to go far, but at the same time, uh, it could be a blessing considering um, you got teams that I think that are better than Leicester's quality. You got uh, other Prem teams that are that are still in. You got um there's Milan's in this still. You got a couple of really good quality teams. So if you're Leicester, now as much as it pained you for a day, two days, maybe the rest of the week that you're gone from Europa League now, you can focus on the league because they're doing really well in the league right now. They got to continue doing well. They don't have other competitions to focus on. They can put all their focus towards the league. I think this is a blessing in disguise for Leicester. Yeah, Daniel, that's a great point you make there because fitness is so important. And I feel like fitness has really uh, been a detrimental like factor for teams. And when teams have good fitness, good depth, they're able mm-hmm. to do well. And you've seen teams that struggle with that depth, struggle with the fitness and you know the multitude of games that they're playing every week, then they, their form drops. And this could be really a blessing in disguise, like you mentioned. We move on to the last game in Europa League on Thursday. Then at least Manchester United is going through, right? At least Manchester United, United going, going through. through. We're excited about it. Uh, Please knock out Arsenal for me, all right? Please knock out Arsenal. <laughs> we got Manchester United versus Sociedad. Uh, this one ended nil-nil. Manchester United came on the first leg and they destroyed Sociedad four-nil. Uh, so United really didn't. Uh, they put out a decent starting lineup. You know, a couple of changes from what they regularly would put out. Obviously, because you're up four-nil, you don't expect Sociedad to come back. But scary it in the first half, especially from I was watching the game. It was scary. Uh, Oyazabal can't say his name. He skied a penalty like early. I think yeah, it was like terrible. Miss. He bottled. He bottled that penalty. Oh, too. It was brutal. Dan James. I don't know what Dan James is doing. He comes running back. He's fast. He's a little rat. I find him along the field. He's he's so fast. It's insane. Um, it was a bad tackle on his part. He was coming back, trying to defend in the in the box, reckless. Um, but if you look at it, Oyazabal, he skied that penalty. So I guess no harm, no foul. Um. Then Sociedad hit the crossbar twice after that, once from a header, once from a nice strike. 
Tuan Zebe came on as a sub in the second half, and he scored his first goal for Manchester United, but it was ultimately ruled out after Lindelof, like, kneed a guy in the face off the corner kick. It was nuts. He tried to go up like a goalkeeper. Some UFC stuff. Some UFC Oh, it was, stuff, it was crazy. Um, literally, kneed a guy right in the face. He got a yellow card for it. The goal was called back. Not much. There wasn't really any any big moments in this game. If Oyazabal would have scored that pen, this game would have been completely different because that gives a little bit more confidence and hope to the Sociedad team. But overall, you know, Manchester United fan, you already won the game for you already won the first leg for nothing. I'm I'm okay with this uh, this outcome, and I'm excited to look at the next round. Yeah, Daniel, this this was for Sociedad. This was a mountain too tall to climb. That's really what it was. Four nothing is a, like a huge scoreline to overcome, um, and just knowing that in the back of your mind, we have to score four goals to just be level mm-hmm. and not allow any at the same time, and also uh, score five if you want to pass automatically. It seems like a feat that no one could really, you know, really uh, overcome. And for for Sociedad, it was and unless you're uh, Barcelona. Us or Barcelona, yeah. Barcelona th- likes to do both, though. They like to beat PSG, and then they also like to lose to Roma. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. That's they like to true. do both. They're they're uh, they're like the Robin Hood. You know, they take from the the rich and they give to the poor. To the poor. So <laughs> that's, that's a great analogy, a actually. It's <laughs> a fantastic analogy. Um, we're gonna move a look ahead for Europa League. Um, the draw wasn't the draw happened this morning. Um, the next round was released. You got three Premier League teams being in it because uh, Leicester uh, came crashing out of. We got. Manchester United versus AC Milan, which is going to be two fantastic games. You got Tottenham versus Dynamo Zagreb, which Tottenham should go through in this one. And then you got Arsenal versus Olympiacos, which again, Arsenal should go through. But last year, Olympiacos was the team that kicked Arsenal out of this competition. Andrew, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be any upsets in these three games? Or do you think all Premier League teams are going to go through? I think Manchester United could beat uh, Milan. Milan's been very good in the league. They've tapered off a little bit. They're sitting in second behind Inter. Uh, but you know, all the draws are except for the Tottenham. Tottenham, I think, is going to go through against uh, Zagreb. Zagreb's a decent team, but nowhere near the, the level of Tottenham. Mm-hmm. I think Tottenham really wants to prove something now in the Europa League because it looks like they're out of the race in the, the Premier League for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they really want to establish themselves in this tournament. Possibly, this could be their 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 step their steps into Champions League next year. They have to win this tournament in order to you know qualify because it doesn't look like they're going to really get a spot this year. Uh, in the Premier League, so they're really going to go all out in this, I think. So easy, easy for Tottenham, mm-hmm. Manchester United, a little bit more tough of a challenge. But AC Milan just squeaked by an aggregate three-three. Uh, they had the away goal advantage there, but I think Manchester United will be able to surpass uh, Milan due to their mm-hmm. form of late. And then Arsenal and Olympiacos. This is a weird one because, as we know, Arsenal got knocked out of the same tournament last year because Olympiacos, you know, got the better of them there. So maybe they could do it again. I don't know. I think Arsenal will probably try to surpass it, but. Um, yeah, that, that's that's what I think, Daniel, for these. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this next round, honestly. I think there's a, there's a lot of good matchups. I know there's a couple of uh, lower lower tier teams still left in this, but now that, that'll slow, they'll slowly funnel out um, until the you get the quarterfinals with eight teams left. I'm excited. I hope Manchester United goes through, and uh, I hope that all the Premier League, Premier League teams go through because if you're looking from an English fan perspective, you want your team's to go through into the next round. And it'll be great to see them play in, in your, in the Europa league at a bigger stage, instead of just competing, you know, Manchester United versus Arsenal is just another game. You play each other twice, twice a year, but when you're going on the Europa league stage, it's, it's way bigger. It's uh, way much. It's way more for a player to hopeful. Ho- yeah, I hope for great points there. Tend off the, this episode, episode four Europa league madness. It was truly a crazy week in European football for English teams. Uh, I got real on this episode about my Befica 
uh, you know, I'm still sad about it, still sad about the result. Um, that about wraps it up. Guys, follow us on Instagram at Premier Talk Podcast. Uh, just we want to continue growing our social media. We always like to put out content for you guys, whether it's you know, graphics and whatnot. So uh, we just appreciate all your support. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Dino, do you have anything to wrap up, say before we wrap up the episode? Go watch, go watch on YouTube, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you guys want to listen, we'll be there. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Because we love you and you guys' content, as always. And uh, we love you guys. See you guys next week. Appreciate it. <laughs>